great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What's up, everybody? Buckle in for your Wednesday night edition of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you, as always, by Tops Friendly Markets. Enter for a chance to win $1 million right now. Uh, Kings Hawaiian is pitting two city sliders against each other every week in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and more visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone to enter. And there's been a lot of questions about what will the bills do? What won't they do? What can they do? And we thought Ryan Talbot and myself, let's bring on from spottrack.com Mike Janetti to figure it all out. Mike, we do this. We've done this now. This will be our third off season edition of this episode, kind of like a salary cap free agency primer. And we're really grateful for you uh, taking some time to do it. My pleasure guys. It's a, uh, it's a big off season for the bills. So there's plenty to talk about. There is plenty to talk about. I sent you a couple questions uh, that we wanted to kind of get into, but I think, you know, the best place to start here is, you know, the bills are sitting at about roughly 20 million uh, over the salary cap limit. And there's obviously a bunch of levers at Brandon Bean's disposal that we can kind of get into over the course of the episode. The easiest one right off the top is the restructure, right? Like the base salary uh, mm-hmm. figured out. There's probably three prime candidates. And I, I wonder in your eyes, Josh Allen seems like a slam dunk. You know, he's in the picture long-term. Uh, we've talked a little bit about that over the last couple of weeks. What do you think is the most dangerous restructure? I'll throw Allen into the pot, but between him, Stefan Diggs, Von Miller, like what do you think could be a restructure that Bean might consider that might have some dangerous parts to it? Yeah, th- th- there's a few candidates for that for sure. I, you know, the, part of me wants to say it's Von Miller because he signed at, at such a high contract at, at a high age and then got injured, right? It sort of <laughs> played out exactly like a lot of people thought it was going to, but I still think his roster bonus, I think it's 13 million ish. That, that has to be converted. Uh, the bills just need that kind of room right now. I think Diggs is the, is the answer. Um, I think you're going to have to alternate some of these superstar restructures kind of staggering them out year to year. Uh, it's a good year to do it with Josh. As you mentioned, you can free over 20 million, just, you know, basically with base salary, you know, the digs conversation, isn't that I don't want him here three more years, you know, a two to three is probably about right based on his age, but also, and, and I, I hate to say this, it, it's one of those positions you can kind of flip, right? We're seeing mm-hmm. five or six, every draft first through third rounds really hit, hit hard, you know, immediate impact. And we're starting to see, you know, the, if we get ourselves away from last offseason, which was insane with the free agency and trades and things like that from a wide receiver standpoint, you're still allowing yourself to have three to four really strong options every free agency if you have the space, the cash to go and get somebody like that. So I'm not saying he's replaceable because I don't think right now he is, but you want to, you want to take care of three years from now, Stefan Diggs' contract from a dead cap perspective because you still have will have Josh at high numbers at that point in time. There's a lot of defensive players that have to get turned over in that in the course of that time. So he's probably the name that I stick away from this year. Um, not because I want him gone, just because, like I said, you got to stagger these things right now. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And, and Mike, you know, I, I talk about this a lot with, with people, whether it's radio, whether it's just casual Bills fans. 
What's the easiest way to explain to fans how restructuring works in terms of what the money, how the money works down the line? Uh, when, when I try to explain it, sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. Since you're the expert at it, how would you explain these restructures? For example, Josh Allen with the $20 million. Yeah. So Josh has a real high base salary this year, right? And uh, it's $27.5 million. The minimum salary that Josh can play on this year is a little bit over $1 million. Mm-hmm. So if you do the math, you subtract $27.5 down to $1 million, right? And whatever you're left with, you can make that a signing bonus, pay it to him right now, take that and spread it over five years of his contract, which means four-fifths of that $27.5 million, right? Is now saved in 2023. That's no longer cap in 2023. But one fourth of it is added to 2024, 25, 26, 27, 28, right? So you're implementing basically a 4 million increase on every cap hit going forward uh, for the next five seasons to, to take a little bit of a break this year. That's really what it is. It's a, it's a base salary or a roster bonus that gets converted into a signing bonus. There's no less cash. The player actually gets the cash in hand at the conversion, um, but the cap gets spread out over five seasons and uh, better now much, much worse over the next four years. <laughs> if you if you take a quick snapshot of the Bills um, salary cap picture, and you can do that. If you go over to SpotTrack.com, pull up the Bills page, you can kind of take a look player by player, what the contract, what the cap looks like, how long it goes on for, and you know how that all figures out with the top 51 contracts. You know, the Bills have, I believe, nine contracts on the books for 2023 with a cap hit of $10 million or more in 2023. How does that stack up across the league? It seems kind of high. Yeah. Uh, top third, you know, maybe, probably not top 10. There's honestly quite a few teams in this boat right now. There's been, um, you know, major quarterback contracts to half the league, five more happening in the next couple of weeks here. Uh, and then most teams are locking in a wide receiver. Most teams have locked in an edge rusher or a cornerback or both. Uh, so the bills are kind of status quo for the contenders. You know, San Francisco is going to have nine or 10 when it's all said and done here in the next couple of weeks. Um, so again, I, I've said this a couple of times now, uh, you know, minus 20 or minus 18, wherever they sit right now is not a daunting task for many of these teams that are all in like, like the bills have been over the past two off seasons, keeping their own players, making big free agent splashes. I, I think they're in a pretty good spot. There's three or four contracts you flip over right now to get healthy. And then it's about, you know, are you going to let, let a few guys go? How can you pay your draft class, which is the last resort, right? That's July. And then what are you bringing in from a free agent perspective? How much are you going to need there? And uh, how, how is it going to impact 2024 when there's more decisions to be made? Because this is not just a right, two-month process. Brandon Bean has to think about really three more years of Josh Allen's contract slash contention window here. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And, you know, obviously the Bills are going to have to make some moves to get under uh, the cap, but also to be able to make some moves this offseason. If the Bills were to prioritize a position to spend on, whether it's wide receiver, defensive line, safety, or offensive line, which one typically gives the team the best returns in terms of the effect on the cap versus the production and impact they get? Mm, that's a great way to phrase that question. You can get ugly fast overpaying for a defensive tackle. Let's put it that way. Uh, and the Bills are going to find out about that with that Oliver's fifth-year option, I think. I, I think the best return on investment right now in the league, and it still isn't really breaking too many banks. There's certain guys in the 18s and the 20s right now, but that interior offensive line has become more and more impactful because of the quick-release quarterback, because of the spread offense, because of the gadget running backs in the league, um, just because of where things are going from an offensive standpoint. Um, you know, I, I just had a Bears conversation not too long ago, and that's all I kept saying. You know, they they were talking about, 
what kind of wide receivers can we load up on? And what about cornerbacks? And I was like, and if you can't keep Justin Fields off the ground 55 times, right again, you're going nowhere. So I'd say that quite a bit with, with the bills and Allen, I think, I think the guard center situation is a, is a major concern. And I don't think you have to break the bank. There's some decent free agent guards, Ben powers, some free agent centers out there. Ethan Pochich. I think, I think the bills because of who they are, because of what they represent now in the AFC are going to be attractive to any of these major free agents and or trade markets. And I think I'd start there. I think the interior offensive line is where it's boring and that's not going to, you know, drive clicks or, or get fans, uh, you know, ramped up here. But I think when you're talking about protecting Josh Allen and getting this offense back on track, that's probably step one for me. I want to talk, I want to dive into Ed Oliver, but before we do, you know, let's stay on the offensive line because Mitch Morse specifically is such an intriguing mm-hmm. option this off season. What do the bills do with him? Like, I guess to start with, what are your thoughts on his value in the yeah. offense versus what he's making? Like, of course, like he's got that continuity with, you know, Josh Allen. He knows the offense. He's been with Ken Dorsey all these years, even when he was the quarterback's coach and it was Brian Dable's system. You know, you look around the league at some of the approaches. I, I really like the way the Eagles did it with Kelsey under contract. Mm-hmm. They go out and they draft Landon Dickerson who could play at left guard and then maybe flip him over to center when Jason Kelsey retires. Maybe that's kind of an option and that might require you to get creative with what you do with Mitch Morse. What are the options from straight out releasing him, which comes with you know some cap savings this year to what a potential restructure would look like and how many years out you have to go? This is the second straight off season that I've put him on the bubble. And it's just because the contracts that he's been signing are restructured or taking pay cuts like he did a couple of years ago. You know, it, it looks like a situation where the Bills could free up enough cap to make it worth their time. Every time I mention Mitch Morse's name as a roster bubble candidate, and this is rare, I don't get this happen often. I get yelled at by Bills players, right? Like I get yelled at left and right. This is not a guy that we can afford to lose, whether it's because of the relationship with Josh, whether it's because of the way he captains that offensive line, et cetera, et cetera. And I get it. And I'm in no position to argue that point. So I, I know that I'm treading delicately when I put a player like this on the cutting block and you're right, there are other ways to go about this. The Kelsey example is a really good one because it's, it's Howie Roseman being his creative cap gymnastics self, right? It's, we're going to give this guy $11 million. It's going to look like three from a cap perspective. There's going to be a ton of void years. We're going to build in some guaranteed money into next season, even though we think he's going to retire, but we're going to put it there just to incentivize him to stay. Cause that's how important he is. So that, that contract is just like the ultimate, this is how much this guy means to us, even though we can't pay him a lot and we really don't want him to go anywhere else. So there's that, you know, if Mitch Morris really is that kind of player to the, to the bills offense from a whole, from the intangible side of things, there's always ways around this. And it's to me, it would start with let's rip up this current contract. Let's grab that 6 million right now, at least for March 15th so that we have that in, in, in our wheelhouse. And then let's put something creative like that out there to make sure that it's year to year, that it's cap friendly up front, but that this guy's in the fold and we don't start, you know, having riots inside that locker room. (laughs) (laughs) So you hear from Bill's players, but you know, obviously Aaron Cromer was in his first year as the offensive line coach this past season in his second stint with Buffalo. But if Cromer goes to Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and says, you know, maybe this isn't the type of center that I want for my offensive line. Does that maybe incentivize the Bills to move on from Morris more so than anything else? Of course. Yeah. Look, look, there's going to be a lot smarter people out there saying the right things. And, and to your point uh, about, you know, drafting somebody to eventually take over, I, I, I get the sense that Ryan Bates is already that guy. I mean, I mm-hmm. think Ryan Bates is more comfortable 
under center than he is in the guard position. And I think his production has shown that. So that's another reason I had him on the block, Mitch Morris, is I, I think you could address the center position internally, go out and sign a Ben Powers, draft a guard, you know, late in the first round or in the second round and, and really start to flip this thing over properly, which is as we've seen with Kansas City and Cincinnati, the only way to do this. You have to take care of this first and everything else kind of falls into place. I was thinking about like what would be an example of like the Ed Oliver situation. And there's not like a real clean one because there's so many different situations over the years where people move off of, you know, big draft picks. I mean, I was thinking about Orlando Brown. He was a third round pick, didn't have a fifth year option. He doesn't really work, but the, you know, the Baltimore Ravens got out in front of that. They realized that they weren't going to pay him. And so they traded him away. And so wrote up on com that with Oliver, there is a path to getting that 10 million plus for this year off the books and not having to even make that decision by maybe potentially trading him. What does a long-term extension look like? Because that's something that we're going to talk even after it eventually happens, if it does, because whether or not he's worth it as a guy that when Von Miller went out of the lineup, it's almost like, you know, his production for the most part dropped off with that. And he's a former top 10 pick. Yeah. The, and the draft is a big part of this. And I, I, I don't like that it is, but it still is. It's still something that agents look at that teams eventually have to give in for it and say, look, this guy was drafted there for a reason. You have to pay him as if he's going to have that kind of ceiling seal, even though I, I agree with you. I think when he was asked to do more, right, when, when, the, when the line got depleted a little bit, I think that really stretched him too thin to the point where, of where I think the run defense just completely went out the door. As I'm sure you saw, you're at the same games I was at, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the center mm-hmm. of that defense was just the a, a, a parting C. So, look, this to me, this is a situation where if the Bills are, don't think this is as dramatic a problem as maybe some of us do on the outside, you, you can live with it. You can also add four void years and restructure this thing and make it a low cap hit this year and then take on dead cap next year. That's also possible. We've seen the Saints do that twice with fifth-year options. This is one of those scenarios, and I... You know, draft capital is big and it's important. But if you get one of those comp picks sitting out there that you can trade, you package it with half of this fifth year option and you take on some of this as signing bonus and you you find a partner for this and, and you do it before the draft and you, and you make it happen. Um, not so much for cap savings, but for football purposes so that you can, you know, draft his replacement and or sign his replacement in March. But I think any way possible, I'd be considering this fifth year option a problem on the salary cap right now. Yeah. And, you know, I guess this is a good transition here uh, for for Brandon Bean. In addition to Ed Oliver, it could be Ed Oliver again. Is there anything that he's done contract wise that looking back, he maybe wishes he hadn't done? It's a nice point. Um, I struggle to say this because I, I, I love everything about this guy on and off. But the Dawson Knox contract has to be at least a consideration right now. It's not the biggest deal, right? It's not the biggest tight end deal in the world. I think it's fifth or sixth right now. But the usage just went out the door, whether that's a scheme change, whether that's he was really banged up and they really didn't think they could use him, you know, to the max. But I'm a little concerned that that one's going to come and go without having much impact. Um, other than that, you know, the, the, the Naheem Hines trade based on the contract, not even having Indy take on some of that contract. That one seems a little strange. And I feel like he's he's a cut candidate right now, which is, makes it even more strange when you think about the assets that were given up. But other than that, guys, uh, no, you know, I think matching the Bates contract based on the conversation we've had was smart. Uh, I, I think the more the Morris restructures the past couple of years have been smart. You know, no, those cap hits haven't hurt this team at all. Right. Milano is four or five million undervalued. He was the second he signed that contract. He proved it again this season. Mm-hmm. So that's a phenomenal contract. I'm not going to sit here and, and destroy the Tredavious contract yet because obviously the injury was was awful. And there are just some people that don't fully come back from that kind of injury. So it's unfortunate that the timing worked out 
you know, you paid him when you did, and then that happened. But I thought when they paid him that contract, it was under market, and the guarantee structure was less than he could have gotten uh, on a lesser team. So I, I, I think that everything's been right on, right on par. I've said this quite a bit. Um, his decision, his mindsets are, you know, to me, with value in mind, but understanding that you have to go north of things every now and then to keep a, a strong roster assembled. So I don't have any problems right now with this active roster, including the Josh Allen contract, which I think, you know, when he's back to normal and fully healthy next year, is going to make everybody else's look pretty small. Yeah. And like you, you, we mentioned the, the, asking you about the bad contracts, right? But I feel like you mentioned Milano's is like one right. of those diamonds in the rough. I mean, you, you, if you could, you know, hope for one on either side of the ball, I don't know if you could dream one up as good as that one looks, but I think that brings up a bigger question now as we kind of look at the Tremaine Edmonds situation and also past this year with his contract now Milano's coming up, from your perspective, with what you've seen of the two players, I mean, in a perfect world, you'd probably keep them together because offensive coordinators talk so much about the challenges playing this defense because you have to account for their coverage ability. And that's only going to get probably better, you figure. Although, you're also going to probably deal with more missed games at some point. They've been pretty healthy for the last couple of years. Um, so you got to factor that in. How do you approach this thing? Of course, the Edmonds question, but is there a Milano extension somewhere possible are you starting to look about that long term or are you scared off by his age and where he's going to be at the uh, at the end of the contract no 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 chance about that and in fact he, i thought i thought we'd be in a worse spot with his injury situation based on his size and where he was coming from from a draft perspective and all that no he's he's one of the best value contracts in all of football so I, i'm keeping him in this thing until he screams to get out of it right <laughs> i'm not touching this thing uh there's probably another restructure here this year with the base salary um, and, and then we'll talk about it after this year. Maybe even not. Maybe we're running to the wire again with him. But just to kind of combine two conversations here, the fact that you have Milano at you know basically ten and a half million, and yes, yes, that's two years old, so you got to adjust for cap a little bit here. But the fact that that happened, and by the way, that happened at the last second, right? This thing, mm-hmm. this thing right down to the start of the league year, and it was announced right before that four p.m. Eastern, basically that Milano had extended to stay off the market. But you, did, you didn't have to overpay to keep him. And I think I had him at about 12, 12 and a half. And he came in millions less than that. And Brandon Bean got the contract he wanted at the end of the day. This is why the conversation with Tremaine Edmonds at 18 million can't happen. It can't happen. If you think about, if you're thinking Bills plus Tremaine Edmonds staying, we have the exact example of a player who honestly might have more value in Matt Milano than, than Tremaine Edmonds does uh, you know, on, on any, any given week. And he already put in right, the template for how this is going to work if you're going to stay in this current contention window. So the, the, the two conversations are parallel right now. They really are because uh, Milano had his ups and downs. He had his red flags with the injury stuff. And he has shown that in the right, in the right situation, everybody can be happy here. So if Tremaine's going to play ball and do something like that, you know, in the 12s and 13s, then I think Brandon Bean is more than happy to, to abide. But uh, if we start talking about the CJ Mosley, Rokon Smith stuff with him, you, you know where this is headed. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And, you know, looking back at last year's draft, did the Bills maybe make a mistake in, in the third round when they addressed linebacker, but they took a Terrell Bernard, who isn't necessarily a Tremaine Edmonds type of replacement? Or is this something where if Edmonds leaves in free agency, the Bills could either find a, a bargain on in free agency or just be able to replace him uh, via draft? Obviously not necessarily the same production, but find someone that could fill in that role. 
Yeah, probably both. Uh, we're seeing a good number of uh, off-ball linebackers hit the market uh, because there are just certain teams in the league who aren't doing that top-of-the-market thing, and I, I would probably put the Bills in that conversation. Uh, you can probably get something with your mid-round picks or a comp pick that at least holds you over for the next few seasons, and you can supplement that with an A.J. Klein-type player, which the Bills have been known to do in the past. Those guys are hitting the market quite a bit. Look, there's some big dogs too, right? T.J. Edwards coming out of Philadelphia here. Mm-hmm had basically an Edmonds type year where it was, mm-hmm. you know, he was a nobody, a nobody. Then he started to, you know, come into contention a little bit. And then all of a sudden he's one of the main focal points of a Super Bowl team. So I think those kind of players will hit the open market. And, you know, if the jockeying is 18 million down to 14 million, maybe the Bills, you know, consider themselves finding value in a player like that that's less expensive than Edmonds, but could have the same kind of production. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Uh, we're joined right now by Mike Giannitti from SpotTrack.com. Head over there, S-P-O-T-R-A-C.com. Get your all of your free agency salary cap. Um, uh, scratch the itch because I know everybody's trying to figure out what they're uh, going to do. Tell people a little bit uh, while we're uh, in between topics here about the premium options because I was messing around a little bit with that today and it's pretty fun stuff. Yeah, well, the big thing is that it takes away the ads, which I know are the worst. So that's, <laughs> that's step number one. But then you get a bunch of tools, right? First, you get the historical information. So you can go back and look at Bill's caps for the past 10 years or so and all the old contracts for all the players. That unlocks all of that stuff. But then we've got some portal tools where you can mix stats with the money and do some some dirty spreadsheet work and stuff like that. And uh, And this is all the sports. You're not just unlocking just the NFL stuff. It's all the sports that we offer, which is now expanding into F1 and live golf and uh, pretty soon some of this more auto racing stuff as well. We're uh, we are not a uh, short on sleep over here. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and for those watching too, hit that like button on YouTube. We really appreciate it. Subscribe to the channel as well. Head over to valuehomecenters.com right now. You can join their text program. All you have to do is text VALU to 80692. You'll start receiving, uh, start saving even more, receive exclusive coupons, see their weekly deals and so much more. All right, Mike, I want to ask you about some potential contract extensions. You know, Teron Johnson, uh, he scored a, a new deal, I think it, uh, 18 months ago-ish now. I, I can't remember the exact, maybe it was even two years ago. Um, there's probably a few contracts on the books. I think Daquan Jones is really interesting. Uh, he signed a two-year deal. He's going into the last year of his deal. What do you think about those two guys in terms of what it could look like, you know, from a restructure perspective for those contracts versus maybe giving them additional years. And is it possible to bring down that cap hit this year? And is that something you think Brandon B might like to do? Yeah, I've had a few people throw back uh, Taron Johnson as a cut candidate for me. I, I'm not even close to there with him. I, I'm with you on this. I think it's it's more likely that they take that nine point two million and, and and convert it into a new contract. And uh, because you haven't restructured this thing, you did have an option bonus. So essentially there's a restructure built into the current contract, but his value is only going to increase, especially with Tredavious's situation, uh, maybe being more consistent. Um, You're young now with a lot of those cornerback spots and your safety, literally your whole safety program is about to get flipped over in the next 12 to 18 months. So um, you're going to have to lock some pieces in so that you make sure you're not just uh, going young everywhere because we've seen quite a bit how that doesn't work. So Look, if he's an $8 million player now, if, and I think he's about the same player he's been, you know, maybe a little bit more experienced, but that's about it. Approaching 27 years old, he's the right time to throw a four-year contract at him again and get this thing all over again. So 
you know, it, it probably bumps up to the 11s or 12s because the cornerback market, even the, uh, you know, the, the slot slash off cornerback uh, player like this is in the 12 to 15 range where everybody else, you know, CB1, CB2 probably sits in the 22, 25 coming up here soon. But that's nothing. When you're talking about an average salary, you know, 20 million guaranteed total. Uh, that's about what we're talking about for Taron Johnson. And he is, he is a lock for me for 2023. What about Daquan Jones real quick, Ryan, before you get, yeah. is there something you could do long-term with him? Cause I mean, he was as valuable as anybody in that D line. Yeah. He made a lot of the other depth guys look real bad. Didn't he? I mean, yeah. this, this was supposed to be like the simple one and done contract that Brandon beans become real popular for where he, it looks like two years, except for you look at the second year and you realize there's no chance, right? There's not, that's not sticking. Uh, this one might stick and it might turn into a three-year extension. Uh, we're seeing a lot of three at tens for defensive tackles of his age, of his talent. So, so maybe three for 30, uh, is probably about right. Maybe that gets adjusted up to 12 or 13 now with the, the back-to-back salary cap booms. But, uh, you know, a, a player of his, of his earth with, um, you know, 70% of the snaps, who's not going to light up the production, right? It's not going to be something that jumps off the page. But you obviously, following the team, you know what kind of value he has. That's going to be more than enough to get that thing done if you guarantee 60% of that thing up front two years. But uh, that's, that's a contract that was supposed to be real simple that got complicated for sure. <laughs> what does that do to the, um, if they do extend it out, what yeah. does that do to this year's salary cap hit, which I think is somewhere around eight ish. Yeah. Yeah. So you can make most of that a signing bonus, which is the real beauty of, of extending a restructure like that. So you take that almost $7 million salary, make it all a signing bonus and bring him on the, you know, $1.2 million base salary, uh, uh, minimum. And then you're talking about basically two to 3 million saved right now. Fully guaranteed it may be like, you know, $9 million cap hit next year, which is super tenable if it jumps up to 240, which I think it will. And, uh, and then we go from there. I think it's, uh, it's probably the right move, especially with the void you're built in there already, guys. Mm-hmm. You extend that, you keep those void dead caps intact, and you just keep going forward after that. Love it. Jordan Poyer, uh, obviously someone that the Bills Mafia has grown to love, someone that's been uh, extremely productive since the Bills brought him aboard at the start of the Sean McDermott era. He doesn't know what the future holds. He's gone on record saying, you know, that he doesn't know where he stands with the bills, but you look at this year's free agent class. It's pretty deep at safety and you have an older veteran who's been dealing with injuries this past season. Quite a few of them at that. Is he as good as gone or could this be a situation where he hits the market and, and maybe he's not getting the money he thought he would get and he could return to the bills. Yeah, that's exactly how I'm playing this. If I'm in that front office right now, I have a number. Uh, I know what the number is, you know, if it's 11 or 12 a year, if it's 24 guaranteed or 28 guaranteed, whatever it is, I have a number and I've already given it to him. And I'm, and I'm saying, you know, you can pack your bags, whatever you need to do. Uh, when March 13th comes and you can start talking to other teams, you know, if you start getting inundated with numbers that are way past that, then we'll, we'll be putting out a big thank you note to you, <laughs> you know, from the organization. <laughs> and, and really, you know, it's not, it's not, it's just business. It has nothing to do with any kind of hard feelings or anything. But I, I think it's as simple as here's the numbers. We're not going to budge. We, we know where we have to be right now. We hope you get more because you you're worth it. You know what I mean? But we, we got to be here right now. And I think in, in, in Milano's case, that's exactly what happened is he went out there. Maybe he got two, three million more per year offers. But at the end of the day, he wanted to be here. So it was worth it to shave off a few. That's the only hope I think Bill's fans should have with Jordan Poyer, that he's willing to shave a few million off guaranteed and per year to come back to this organization, which he knows he has success in. Is there a conversation that you want to have less 
this offseason than the Jordan Poyer one? I can't imagine <laughs> how many times you've been asked this question. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? I, the Lamar Jackson one is just... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lamar yeah. and Aaron oh. Rodgers are half a decade that I want my life back from. It's just uh, it's an <laughs> annual daily thing now. And by the way, somehow I'm still interested by it, right? Like I'm still like, oh, but what, what, what's Lamar going to do now? Or what does that mean? Or what is Aaron Rodgers' darkness chamber going to mean? And when, you know, for his 60 million, it's, I'm, I'm sucked in. So I'm, I'm all in on this stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. I got one more question and then I'll uh, turn it over to Ryan for anything that he has left. If the, if the bills pull like all the levers that they can, right. And, and just from a conservative standpoint, you know, Brandon Bean does all the smart things that we've kind of talked about over the course of the show. Any of the things that we maybe didn't, first of all, what does that look like in terms of what they can create cap space wise before free agency in your eyes? I think they want to get themselves about 25 with about 25 million of space to work with for free okay. agency. And then, you know, as things pop up and you need more, you can always, you know, react on the fly. But to me that, cause that's 45 essentially that we're freeing up here, right? That's quite a bit, but mm-hmm. you know, Miller and Miller and Allen do most of that work right there. So I think that's probably where you start. I don't, I don't think you'd restructure recklessly and Brandon Bean's shown he won't. So I think you're doing three or four things. Maybe it's two cuts, two restructures, get yourself to about there and then let things play out a little bit. And then if they take one swing, even if it's like a second level contract, like, you know, and you could put your fan hat on here, you could put your, you know, mm-hmm. cap hat on here. And from a smart team building perspective, what do you think the swing is based on the value of the contracts on the free agent market and what the bills need? I am. Oh, I'm not a hot take guy, but I'm doing this. Um, I love it. <laughs> I'm packaging a pick with Gabe Davis from Mike Evans. Ooh, we spicy. talked a little bit about Mike Evans. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I think Tampa could use the cap relief, obviously, which Gabe would offer them and give them a body to work with Chris Godwin. And I just think Mike Evans on an expiring contract is super tasty, right? Especially coming to a team that will know how to utilize him. We'll have a quarterback who can get him downfield a little bit. It's a big option in the red zone, which you know we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just like every angle of this. And if you got to pay him, you know, 28 million a year next year, then. I guess that's the price to pay, but uh, I just love everything about the 2023 situation with that maneuver. And what does that look like contract wise? It looks like there's some dead money in the next yeah. couple of years. How much of that, how much of do the, of that did the bucks take on? And what does that look like from what the bills are getting back uh, dollars wise? Yeah. So he's a 14 and a half million dollar player. There's 14 and a half million cash. Everything else stays with Tampa. So it's not a ton of savings for them from this contract, but that's cash they don't want to pay. And when you talk about Gabe at about two, you know, you're talking about a, a big change from 14 and a half down to two for a player that, you know, should should at least give you 80% production based on what we've seen from Gabe over the past three seasons. That that would definitely get the Bills Mafia talking if something like that uh, went down. Now, uh, again, it's kind of a follow-up to what Matt asked. Is there a free agent on the market that you think is a near perfect fit for this roster in terms of what the bills are trying to do and what could be one of their missing pieces. Miles Sanders. <laughs> uh, Miles Sanders has been my guy since the middle of 2022. I know he's got the injury stuff. What running back doesn't right. What running back doesn't. He's not as old as you think he is. He's, he's got that window where you can get him in for two years. You can pay him about seven or eight. Maybe the bills get him in for cheaper because of who they are. So we're talking two for 15-ish around there, maybe close to fully guaranteed. That's the weapon that this team is missing right now. The absolute up the middle, no bones about it. Yes, you can catch some balls, but we got other guys that can do that now. The absolute experienced and now postseason experienced Miles Sanders type player who you know can play in this kind of weather. 
there's some connections with some other players on Pitt on this roster currently. Uh, I just think it's uh, it's the it's the right guy for the right spot right now on this team. Well, you were the right guy for the right interview at the right time of the offseason. Mike Gennetti, SpotTrack.com. Thank you so much. Uh, one more shout out uh, for where everybody can find your content here over the next couple of uh, weeks and months. Yeah, at SpotTrack on Twitter. SpotTrack.com is the website. We've got uh, the SpotTrack podcast twice a week. Appreciate you guys. Beautiful. Thanks, Mike. Mike Gennetti, thank you so much. Take care, buddy. Ryan, let's hang out for a minute here. Some odds and ends. Uh, reports are that I want to cover this before we get, I don't know when our next show will be that the bills. Um, well, there's multiple reports out there. So I guess we could kind of <laughs> cover, cover our bases here, but you know, the bills, obviously Chad Hall, we talked about this move uh, last week, moving on to Jacksonville, uh, Tom Pelissero of um, NFL network is reporting that the bills are hiring veteran wide receiver coach, Adam Henry, uh, per source, Henry coached LSU back. Um, we'll talk about who he coached there, uh, has been with five NFL teams most recently, uh, with the Cleveland Browns, the New York giants coach Odell Beckham jr. Which I think is a very interesting piece of all of this first thoughts, um, on this potential signing, but I think it was Mike Fisher from down in Dallas that said he was hearing that, you know, the, 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 the eyes aren't dotted yeah. and the, yeah, the T's aren't crossed quite yet. But if this ends up being the case and this gives the bills a lane to Odell Beckham jr. on maybe a one year, really affordable contract. I think this is a, a win, win, win here for the bills. If that ends up being the case. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I just think that the hiring in general would be a very good hiring. Uh, I was watching a video of Jarvis Landry and, he, and it's when he was joined the Browns and he, and he met up with the coach and talked about how important he was to his development at LSU. Uh, this is someone that has a track record of, of bringing wide receivers along. It would just be overall a good replacement for Chad Hawley, beloved wide receiver coach. You're bringing in a proven entity, uh, someone that's done it at the the college level at the pro level uh, and has some connections to a guy like Odell Beckham jr. Who, like you said, for months, bills fans and many other fan bases were on like an uh, OBJ watch. And now, you know, he is going to sign somewhere this off season that would give the bills maybe a leg up in that competition as well at a value price. You would hope. Yeah. Uh, if you want a value price, get over to Tops friendly market, hit up the carry out cafe. They got you covered for game day tailgating spreads, or whatever kind of party you are hosting. Hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizzas, $14. The jumbo chicken wing 10 count, $14. The Tops legendary breakfast pizza. Get yourself a large, 20 bucks. Pizza or taco log, six count, $7.69. Baby back rib sections, $5.99 a pound. Sub sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. What we got here, Ryan? We got a week and a half until the NFL scouting combine. I'll be heading down to um, Indianapolis on Monday early. Uh, we get things probably started on that Tuesday with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott uh, and much more as the player interviews start on Wednesday. We're going to start transitioning to the draft. We're going to have a ton of content over the next week as we start to prime you up for free agency. Uh, I wanted to have this conversation with um, Mike Gennetti before we really dive into some of these different moves that the Bills can make. So I'm going to have a piece on that here in the next couple of days. It's going to be fun, Ryan. Yeah, going to be a great time in Bills Mafia. Uh, If you are subscribed to our newsletter, it is going to start coming out next week on Thursday. That way you will get the newest episode of Shout when the newsletter comes out the next morning. And it'll have all of that news that Matt just said we're going to be uh, cranking out here over the next few weeks and months. 
That is a, a great job. Ryan curates that every week, kills it each and every time uh, on anything he does. Podcast, article, newsletter, he can do it all. He's even he's even got some really good wing takes. They're not oh, all yeah. great, honestly. Like sometimes <laughs> you have a wing take that I'm just like, blah, but for the most part, you you, you bring it. And stay tuned for our next uh, live event at Wing Nuts. We want to see more of you guys out there. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. All right, for Ryan, I am Matt. We will see you next week. Have a great weekend as we kind of get ready get ramped up for some draft stuff some free agency stuff it's gonna be fun take care everybody shout a buffalo football podcast hosted by matt perino and ryan talbot